Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right. Good to have everybody here today. Welcome to the EquipCast. This is Father Jeff Lorig from the Archdiocese of Omaha. This is EquipCast number 11. It's Today's topic is really about uh it's always about leadership, but it's really about delegation. And uh, the title that we've put together is, is Don't Be a Hero. And uh, the whole idea here is, is uh, don't be a hero, but be a hero maker. Like you don't have to do everything yourself. Uh, in fact, it might even be better to not do everything yourself because it gives another mm-hmm. person a chance to, to shine. Um, you know, so, so hero making, delegation is the kind of the boring way to say it, but really hero making is it's a force multiplier. It's the fruit of uh, the fruit of great leadership is, is new leaders, not, not more tasks, not more stuff that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who are busy, uh, Jim are, are not always the, the best leaders. It's uh, in fact, perhaps, perhaps the opposite. So you can exponentially increase your impact when you create new leaders. So that's what Jim wants to talk about today. It's again, it's, it's more his rants, the stuff that like bugs him. And then we just kind of all uh, jump in with the conversation with him. So feel free to use the chat room today. Uh, it's an easy button to push. And, mm-hmm. and uh, if you have questions, you have uh, comments. Um, if you want uh, me to shut up and Jim to talk more, which is understandable. I, uh, I, that's totally okay or or vice vice versa. versa. Yeah. I'm a little talked out today. Um, So it's, uh, it's Friday and it's, Good to um, wrap this week up with this great conversation with you, Jim. Yeah. Well, you got your, you certainly got your quotes in. We're going to link it in the, uh, the chat room and in the show notes, but you, you got your quotes in today on the uh, Gallup called the coach podcast. Um, that was fantastic. Um, so encourage everybody to check that out. Father Lorig did us proud representing the Archdiocese of Omaha. That was fantastic. Fun to do. It was, yeah, it was great. Why do you, why do you want to talk about delegation? Why is this such a big deal? I mean, it's a fancy title. Don't be a hero, be a hero maker. But why is it so important to you? Well, you know, it's a big part. I mean, big part of my journey uh, as, as a leader. I mean, I remember you said like, you know, something you just said earlier, say it's not about being busy. Uh, it's actually about raising up, raising up leaders. Uh, I mean, you know, I went as a young, young leader, I went through that journey where I love to brag about how busy I was. As a, as a way to, you know, to show off how important I was. And man, that gets old really quick. And I, I mean, I think this is an age old problem. Uh, I love the story as I was reflecting on, you know, our, our topic today, I was thinking about like, gosh, I mean, this goes back to like Old Testament. And I mean, Moses, right? He's, he's this really capable leader and kind of fresh into his role of leading God's people, you know, through the Red Sea. He's like, he's like burned out you know, and they're not even quite at, at Mount Sinai yet. And he's, he's burned out and it's his father-in-law Jethro uh, that comes along and he's like, uh, what you're doing is not good here. Moses was just totally overwhelmed. Uh, everything was all about him. Everybody was coming to him and he was being worn out because he was doing everything himself. He was the hero and he wasn't actually raising up uh, other leaders. Um, and it's, it's fascinating as you see the story unfold. Fundamentally, what, what God does is God 
tells him to gather other leaders and to pray for them that, that God would send his spirit upon them, uh, that they would be able to share some of Moses's leadership role. Um, yeah, I often wonder if, um, would the Israelites ever have made it to the promised land had there not been a delegation of leadership? Well, he just would have been stuck there, like solving oh, everybody's yeah. problem, always just maintaining, just always in the maintenance mode and never on that mission that they need to get to. So part of being, getting to the end task, getting to the, the end goal of, of the mission means is empowering other leaders to, to do the work that's necessary. Oh, yeah. Moses would have had a, a nervous breakdown and he would have, um, you know, he would have asked God to smite the people. You know, there's this, all these beautiful scenes where Moses is interceding on the people's behalf. And he's like, hey, God, how about you smite? Because, yeah, he would have, he would have lost it. Um, and I think that's, I, it's maybe a little humorous to think about, but it's somewhat, it's just human for us to recognize as, you know, as much of as a, as a buzzword as, as delegation might be. Um, my goodness, like, it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing. Uh, it's actually a hard thing. I mean, if Moses struggled with it, I think that gives us a little bit of permission uh, to struggle our, ourselves. There's other figures in the Bible who, who really demonstrate multiplying generations of faith, right? Yeah. So Abraham's another really good one. Um, you know, there's, there's all these really funny things going on in Genesis because Abram's name, it, you know, that's Abraham's name before he got changed it. Well, that means exalted father. Um, and then, and then of course, you know, it's this great encounter with the Lord where his name is changed to Abraham, which means fa father of a multitude. Uh, the humorous thing about that is the guy has no kids and he's like clearly past the age you would ex expect him to be fathering kids at the time. Um, now we know that he does. We call him, uh, Catholics, Christians, uh, Muslims, Jews, like, like huge population. I mean, the monotheistic religions of the world call Abraham father, but it's not because he fathered the multitude himself. It was his, it was his trust in God and his, uh, well, really, he just had a few kids. It was, it was those kids and their legacy that really made the difference. And I think that's a peek, I think peek in into God's, you know, God's mind on this in that we're not, God doesn't, he does expect us to have a legacy, but he doesn't expect us to do everything ourselves. And sometimes we want to short circuit one of those two things, right? We either expect, we think that God expects us to do everything or, or we imagine that his expectations are much smaller uh, than they are. Uh, and in fact, his expectations are huge. It's just not all on us. Yeah. So now like here we are in the church, the Catholic church, and, and I'm a priest. And so I have authority. And, and especially when I'm, I'm a pastor, I certainly have authority and leadership. We don't talk about we do talk about lay leadership a little bit, but I don't know if we've been very good at it. You're a lay leader in the church. What has been your experience of, of leadership and, and maybe, maybe ex receiving leadership from others in order for you to be a leader? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say like it matters to be called into leadership. Um, but, you know, I don't, I mean, I, there are certainly, there are temperaments, you know, where some people are just like, yeah, they're maybe more naturally, suited to certain types of leadership. Um, but I believe that leaders can be, can be made and grown. And I think back about uh, people in my life. Um, I think about like, you know, folks in high school, campus, uh, campus ministry, uh, college. Uh, I think about one of the first uh, pastors I worked for, uh, Father Robert Mattia uh, down in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think about folks who saw leadership in me and called that out of me 
gave me opportunities to grow as a leader. And, and I mean, it, ultimately, I, I became who I was and I, sh I shared in some of the joy because people took the time to invest in me and to share some of the responsibility they had. Um, and uh, yeah, that's not always easy, but my gosh, it's, it's essential. And it's actually a joy. I mean, I look back on that and I'm like, oh man, I remember that day when father asked me to do, it's like, no, it's actually, it's one of the, it's one of the greatest joys. Uh, it's a moment that I look back and I, I look back and I feel it's, it's so affirming when someone recognizes something in you that you maybe didn't see in yourself or you saw, but with some doubt. Yeah, and it's really the call of, of uh, Vatican II, right? It's, I mean, there's lots of calls and missions of Vatican II or themes of Vatican II. Uh, certainly, you know, the, the call for, for universal holiness, but there's also a call to universal mission. But, but also there's a real particular call for, for the laity. And, and how have you been living yeah. that out? Well, so, you know, we haven't always gotten this right. I mean, for a long time, I think there was, you know, a misunderstanding like that that Vatican II somehow meant that the laity were supposed to take on the same types of roles as clergy. Um, but the real genius for laity is being in the world, right? I mean, just like, uh, I mean, father can't be in the operating room or the boardroom. Um, that's really the, the lay person's job to, to really be light in our professions and in our neighborhoods. And uh, gosh, I mean, when I think about like, I think about some of the people that I really imagine. Yeah, thank you. Uh, those, those of you in the chat room who are uh, giving shout outs to Lumen Gentium. Like that, I mean, w the things that we tend to complain about in, in, in our world, you know, we, we think about what, you know, what's wrong in maybe politics or the media. Well, that's not, that's not the job of the clergy. That's the job of the laity. Um, and, and when the clergy can equip us and call us to be the salt and light that we're meant to be. Um, oh my gosh. Like there's some really cool things that can happen when uh, lady are called into their, uh, their place to be salt and light in the world. Right. It's not for the lady to become clerics or for the clerics to become lady. Right. It's to find that proper place in, in the sphere of influence that, that we all have. And I always say like, there's a lot I used to preach uh, when I, when we used to have mass, uh, <laughs> but I used to say in, in my last parish, like there's a lot of people in this town that don't like me. And uh, there's a suspicion about Catholicism. There's a suspicion about maybe young men. I, I don't know, but, but I, my guess is that they, that there's some people out there who don't like me, who like you, they, they yeah. trust you. And so you can be a leader in that, that sphere and that, that in, in the, in your, your community and in, in so what do we say in your, your workplaces and your, your, your boardrooms and, and all that, that, that kind of stuff. Um, okay. But, I, but so I, so I, it's good just kind of hold that up for us. Like leadership is scriptural. Leadership is, is not oh, just yeah. for the clergy. It's for, for the laity as well. But I think there's a, to get to the heart of this podcast today or this equip cast, mm -hmm. it's really about, uh, so how can I be the best leader possible? And, mm -hmm. and really that we would say it's one of the keys to great leadership is delegation. And it's not yeah. just delegation tasks. It's a delegation of authority, right? Of, of a leader's authority. Well, and you know, I think I just want to throw a shout out to all those leaders who they kind of, they feel stuck right there a little bit, whether you're a pastor or whether you're a DRE or a youth minister or a very tired parent, and you feel a little bit like Moses, you feel overwhelmed. But when you think about delegation, you're 
afraid and you're like, I don't know if I can delegate. Like, I actually want to affirm that. Like, you might be right. Like, like you can't just hand someone the keys and delegate something. There, when, when the time for delegation comes or like the kind of final handover, you want to have full confidence because you've been through a process of preparation. So, you know, when I, when I moved, uh, I came here to uh, Omaha about three years ago. And one of the first things I, I did um, is uh, my, uh, my son was turning 16. And so we needed, you know, he was really into wheels and we needed to do some driving, uh, uh, driving lessons. So we went out and the first time we went out with a car, he ran over three people. <laughs> now that was uh our driving lessons were in saint mary's cemetery off 36 and q so nobody got killed they were already dead but um i was <laughs> i was that was tr true story but it's actually you know yeah. yeah he ran over people but they were dead so, yeah, ah, right yeah but dead um joke. for sure yeah he's, <laughs> he's proud of this right now gonna be sending this podcast to all his friends um <laughs> by the time I actually handed him the keys, like when he had his driver's license, I felt perfectly calm. And that's just not because I'm a dad and I'm like, no, his mom felt perfectly calm. We had no anxiety whatsoever because he had, he had been through a process. We had spent a lot of time in the car together. We had gone driving. He had been through the safe driver course. He'd been in a variety of circumstances together and he had proved himself over the course of, you know, weeks and months so that handing him the keys wasn't a sudden overwhelming thing for him and it wasn't anxiety provoking for me. Um, and I just want to affirm a lot of times people have this intuition that they don't feel comfortable delegating yet. And it's because they haven't actually gone through the process. There, there is a process uh, to delegation. Right. We, we call it the uh, like tell, show, try, do, right? It's, it's this, that's the whole process. So try it. Uh, or actually we tell you about it and then we show you how to do it. Then you try it, then you go do it. And uh, what's that been like? You have kids, so you're constantly trying to, and again, I should, yeah. I want to keep prefacing everything with, saying like this isn't so that you don't have to spend time with your kids driving them around <laughs> town right? right this is about making good healthy strong-willed independent men and women in your family well, yeah. who, are, I mean, who eventually will be a great contribution to society or make contributions to society right i mean i'd be lying if i didn't say at some level i'm interested in just getting you know some of the time back uh and having an extra driver in the house but at the deeper level you're totally right like what do i want it's like well i i I, I want my children to become adults. I, I want them to, yeah, to be strong and independent and contributor. And I think that's what, you know, that's what any good youth minister wants. You know, I'm not trying to just keep kids safe. I'm trying to make them fruitful adults. That's what any pastor wants. Like I want my parishioners to be heroes uh, in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their professions. Um, and so as we think about giving people commissions, uh, as we think about delegating, um, there's a process and it's like, you know, I, I think about, I go back to youth, youth soccer coaching. That was one of my best, uh, one of my fondest, fondest memories as, as a dad. Um, and whenever you're introducing a new skill, you, you kind of, you huddle, you know, you huddle the kids up and you tell them, okay, we're going to work on throw-ins right now. And you tell them what you're going to do. You tell them why, then you show it, you demonstrate it, you give them a chance to try it. And then you give them some feedback as they begin to do it. Uh, and then you repeat the process as, as often as necessary, and you can add, you know, more challenge as time goes on. Uh, but that simple tell, show, try, do 
that provides a, at least a little bit of a mental framework for us as we enter into the challenge of uh, giving people roles and commissions. And again, like you said, Father, not just a task, but giving someone a little share in the mission. I often think that my biggest failure as a leader when I was at St. Ledger's uh, was not allowing other people to do some of the tasks that, that I didn't have to do, but I felt like I could do them better. Um, but so what that oh, kept yeah. from happening was uh, other people didn't get a chance to grow. And, and I, I specifically rem remember our Wednesday night family faith formations. Now, of course, I'm the one with the theology degree in, in, in town. Mm -hmm. Like I might be the one yeah. or two people with, <laughs> the with a, <laughs> right. Except for maybe the Protestant ministers um, and they're not going to come help us out. I don't think. They were, yeah. They were busy on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Wednesday night's a big, big night and uh, church night in small towns. Um, but I, I, so I did those talks um, and I, you know, I think I did a good job. I'm sure I did a good job, but there was one where I, I uh, went in, I think it was out of town and it just landed on, I was out of town. And so mm. one of our actually mentors, that's part of the mentorship program for with the archdiocese that Jen Mosier does, uh, uh, Linda Asher, who had gone, you know, gone through the great adventure Bible study and she, you know, did a few other things. She's a leader that's, in her own right. And, in, in her, in, in the way, um, had some at, preparation. At, yeah, I had some preparation. Um, had the skills. She was a, a leader, and uh, I think she worked for the prison up in, in Yankton. So she, you know, had a tough crowd every once in a while. Um, wait, wait. Did she get people to show up? Yeah, people just showed like. Oh, she had a captive audience. Captive, captive audience. Yeah. Only two dad jokes per episode. Oh, crap. <laughs> you, you, you've reached I've a quota. Used, I've already used them up. Okay, yeah. Sorry. yeah so you know um so i was gone i think i was on a ski trip or something like that with with a couple other priests and uh so linda did it and you know what when i came back everybody was raving about how great she did I'm like oh we want linda more and awesome. uh, of course that hurt my ego but it was a huge lesson to me like even though i'm the one who had the theology degree mm -hmm. I didn't have to do that. And in fact, now I think because of that moment and, and not just because of that moment, several other moments, uh, Linda continues to grow as a leader in the parish. Yeah. So for, for me, it's um, this, you have to have a willingness to empower others. You know, the, the yeah. best, the best leaders and I'm striving to be the best leader, uh, the best leaders unleash higher performance through empowerment, um, not yeah. control and command. So when I have to control everything, it, it, it doesn't work. Um, and, and actually it limits, it limits the, your organization, the potential of your organization. I, I, I find, I, I think we were limited. Yeah. Well, I mean, dive in a little bit to the psychology, right? Cause I mean, what, what was holding you back? What was keeping you from, from delegating? I mean, was it the affirmation? Like, I just feel really good teaching and I love using my gifts or what kept you as you I thought, look back now, well, I just thought I could do it better. Right. Yeah. And, and even if Linda wasn't sharp on the theological points, people, again, there, you can, you can weigh and, and measure all the, 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 the fruits and benefits of all that. The most important thing was not whether people got something out of the talk. The most important thing was, was that Linda grew as a leader. And, right. and now I've, yeah, I, I think I just had to trust her. I mean, I certainly I trusted her, but, um, but there, I, I couldn't think of a reason why, why I would want to have her do it because I wasn't doing anything on Wednesday night either, but I know it was just, it was, a, I think if I had done that a, a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. I, so I, I can't, I can't answer that. Like, why did I do it? Except that it didn't really occur to me 
And now mm -hmm. that I've learned a little bit more about leadership, I realize, oh my gosh, right. um, I could have really invested her a lot more. Um, and I, I was starting to do that as, as I was leaving. You know, I think that's common, right? I mean, we have to, we have to be really clear, like, what is success? And the funny thing about, I mean, I think this is like in the Moses story and everybody, like, oftentimes, if you're a leader in the church today, it's because you're good at getting stuff done. Or at the very least, you have low boundaries and you're unwilling to say no <laughs> when somebody asks you. Um, but like, if you're good at getting stuff done, your criteria for success is often how much I get done. And that's very different than a criteria for success is how many people do I put in a position to really use their gifts? How many people do I help take part in the mission and find their unique calling and contribution? That, think, that success criteria is way different. Yeah, and I think it matches right up with our, our vision here in the Archdiocese of Omaha to equip yes. disciples. This is exactly what we're talking about. When we're talking about equipping disciples, we're not just telling them we're showing we're telling them showing them and then letting them go and do it for the for the work of ministry uh in, in the the communities that they're they're in so i i think that's why we that's why this is called equip cast right this yes. is that's why we we talk about equipping so much why why we talk about leadership so much mm -hmm. because it's not a just just about teaching people or telling people yeah. it's letting them have the reins it's empowering people with that you know if we if we just kind of delegate tasks we create followers uh, if we delegate authority, we create new leaders. So when I just, if I had just mm -hmm. said, Linda, and maybe a few of you, a few others, you guys, you're going to do the teaching on these nights and I'll work with you. I'll supervise you or I'll, as, as in like, I'll mentor you, we'll go through it, but you're going to own it. show you how to do it. I'm yep. going to give you feedback as you do it. But you know, I think, I think there's a couple of reasons why people struggle to delegate. I mean, some of it is, we don't, it never occurs to us, right? And we don't know how, you know, like, oh, and just knowing the process. But I can say for myself, there's deeper, I mean, this is a silly story, but there was, you know, a time uh, in my missionary life where I was doing a ton of travel and I was really busy. And uh, that would always ramp up really intensely in the fall and in the spring at the same time that grass cutting season uh, was its most intense. And I would find myself cutting grass on Saturdays and it was like a rare Saturday where I could really be home and really like be with my kids. And it just, I just had this amazing kind of, I won't go through the whole thing, but it's kind of this conversion, mini conversion moment where I realized like, what the heck am I doing cutting grass on Saturday? Like I need to be with the kids. And, and I, I had thought about hiring a neighbor boy to cut the grass, but there was this story in my, in my head that said, no, only lazy people do that. Only lazy people hire someone else to do this. Because I had, again, defined, I had this story playing in my head that only, that like my fruitfulness was really all about what I did personally. Um, and the funny thing is that, you know, eventually it turned into a mentorship thing because I have now not, I have not cut the grass in probably, I think it's been five, six years. Uh, I now have multiple generations of children, not multiple generations, but multiple <laughs> waves of children that know Abraham. how to, my, my great grandchildren are cutting, no. Um, uh, I have at least three children that are capable and clamoring to cut the grass. Right. And, and I'm keeping the economy and the family. It's great. Right. And you could be worried about the results. So the thing that maybe kept you from doing, from delegating it was you were worried that, oh, that's what rich people do. And yeah. There, there's I had a, a story real in my head. To that. Yeah. yeah uh, and, um, 
but, but, but also sometimes it's because we want to control the results. Like if my oh, yeah. grass looks like crap, um, well then I don't want that person to do it. I don't trust that person to do it. So I, I always want to be in control of the, of, of the oh, end yeah. there. Um, so uh, we kind of have to kill that story as well. Like I can't, oh, yeah. ex I can't always be in control of the results. If I'll never delegate to anybody else. I'll never delegate my authority, yeah. my leadership to anybody else unless I, um, I can maybe lower the standards a little bit and then watch them grow. And that's yeah. my responsibility as a leader to help them grow. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a perfectionism in many of us that, you know, it's kind of hiding and it's sneaky, but like we have to, we have to kill that because yeah, I couldn't, I mean, I was a much better grass cutter, uh, you know, than my kids when they first started. You were the best in the whole family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, like, uh, but like I had to get, yeah, I had to get to the point. And actually, I mean, this amazingly beautiful parenting moment. I remember there was this like really obvious uh, mistake, let's just say, in the grass cutting endeavor. And point, being able to gently point that out and coach, uh, coach my, my kid through that and being able to give him a hug. And they're like, no, 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 you're, this is still your job. You've got it. And being able to reaffirm that, like, oh my gosh, it was just a, a very cool moment that, you know, I could not have gotten to if I hadn't gotten through that story in my head and if I hadn't gotten over the perfectionism. Um, and I think Jesus is actually the perfect example of this. I mean, seriously, Jesus is an amazing delegator um, and nobody was as good at it as he was. I mean, he literally entrusts the salvation of the world to 12 guys that don't seem to be up for the task. Um, but he's, he's willing to do that. And of course, yes, there's this period of preparation. Um, you know, Jesus goes through a pretty intense three-year process of mentoring and discipling uh, these people into their, uh, into their mission. But I mean, it's like if Jesus could get past the, uh, the pain of like, oh my gosh, they're not going to do it perfect. Um, hopefully we can too. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously Jesus is the one who, set up the great commission, but he set it up yeah. with the strategy that it wasn't going to be perfect on day one. And, yeah. uh, in fact, you know, Peter denied him and, and his friends abandoned him. Um, and yeah. certainly there've been mistakes. I mean, here we are, the church that he delegated the, the, the authority of the great commission to us. And so it kind of like, and we're, yeah. we're not killing it on every day. Meme, right. <laughs> of like Jesus getting, getting up to heaven and all the angels are like, no, seriously, what's the plan? There's got <laughs> to be a backup plan here. Um, but it's like, nope, that's it. That's them. So that, that is, I mean, we talk about it. It's the method of Jesus. Um, and, I, and I think so, so for those who, who care at all about the Great Commission, like Jesus, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll devote ourselves to multiplying and sending. You know, not gathering yes. and counting. Now, we just went through yes. a whole planning thing uh, <laughs> with, yes. the, with the Archbishop uh, for we're kind of doing a, a 10 year goal for the Archdiocese. And we were going to measure it by counting. And you know, of course, that's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's some numbers better than no numbers, as we like to say. Um, but, but the whole, like the health, the best way to, to measure the health of a church, I think, mm -hmm. is, is not its seating capacity or even the people who are showing up in the seats. It's the sending capacity. And, and the only way I can send people is if I, I tell them, show them, and let them try it and go and, go and unleash okay. them. Wait, wait. You've got to say that slower. Say that again. The, 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 what is it? The, the measure of the church? Yeah, the church's true measure of health is not its seating capacity. 
but it's sending capacity. Wow. Like so what yeah. kind of, in my church is my, yeah, I'm, you know, God willing, if I ever become a pastor again, I'm, I'm going to try to grow it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, my guess that's is that's not going to be your number one standard for success. No, my, uh, the, if I, in fact, the best way to grow it is if I, if I teach people how to go, we're going to grow by go. Right. I mean, this is it's I mean, the only way you can grow. Yeah, well, it, it's the only way you can grow a church. It's not like the pastor can stand on every street corner and visit every home. and every, um, But all of this is like, it's also just kind of baked into just like the human laws of leadership. I mean, I, I think about like football fans. I think about like the Bill Walsh, right, coaching legacy. Some of you just Google it and you can, you can see that. Like, I mean, the guy just not only was he an amazing Hall of Fame football coach, but he raised up all of these other Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame football coaches. Um, and that's what you see really great leaders doing is that they're raising other, they're raising other people up. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, Craig, Craig Rochelle, who who's, uh, helps out with the Global Leadership Summit. And I'll just be honest with you, a lot of the stuff I stole from his talk from two years ago, <laughs> but it was so impactful. That talk mm-hmm. was so impactful. After that talk that I went to in Kansas City two years, two years ago, that like after that talk, I, I said to Father Dan and, and Jen Moser, I said, why the heck are we not doing this in Omaha? And yeah. that talk had such an impact on me. Like, so now we, you know, we had 300, over 300 people attend the Global Leadership Summit for the first time in the Catholic Church um, ever mm-hmm. last summer. Uh, but here's this great line um, that he, he tells his, his team. He says, you can have control. So like his, all his team, right? They're all leaders and he expects them to be leaders in, in their own way. He says, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't yeah. have both. Yeah. Meaning, meaning like if you're just trying to control the results and you're doing everything for everybody, then you're never going to grow. So you can yeah. have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You have to set people free to grow it themselves. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And you know, it, it dovetails. There's the, the chat room is exploding here. Um, just kind of talking about like why we don't delegate. Um, and like oftentimes it seems like, seems like we don't delegate kind of like on that, on that control thing is that we feel like it's going to take, uh, this is from Mark Nelson, but like believe it's going to take more work for me in the short term. And, and so we choose the short term instead of the long term, right? We, we choose, uh, it's kind of the sucker's choice. It's like, well, It'd be easier for me to do it, do it myself. And we, we missed that opportunity to actually raise someone up and leave, leave a legacy. Um, now, I think it's right. There's an interesting, so I, I'm going to give a shout out here for a book and we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, Take the Stairs by Rory Vaden. Um, he, uh, he's really nerdy about this, but he talks, he talks about how, well, actually it is more work in the long, in the long term, but it's so worth it. I mean, it's so worth it. So, you know, let's say he, he gives this rule, he calls it the 30 to one rule for delegation. Like, how do you know how much you need to invest to delegate to someone? He says, so if you have a, a daily task that takes five minutes, you know, something, something at work, it's a five minute task. Roughly, there's about 250 working days in a year. So you're looking at, you know, 1,250 minutes of work for you to do something. And the rule is, is that if you want to really train someone to do a task well, 
you want to spend, you want to plan on spending 30 times the time it takes to do it to actually train them. Now, not all at once, right? So 30, if it's a five minute task, uh, 30 times five minutes would be 150 minutes. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that you need to have a, you know, I was, told, uh, I was told there'd be no math today. A two hour, yeah, I know. It's like, it felt like you need to have a two hour training on how to do a five minute task. But over the course of weeks and months, you want to be prepared to spend up to 150 hours uh, teaching someone. Because here's, here's the real, like, here's the, uh, the killer moment in this. Even if you spent a total of 150 hours teaching this person how to do this five minute task, at the end of the year, instead of having yourself spent 1,250 minutes, you actually get over 1,000 minutes back, right? So, I mean, 1,100, 1,100 minutes. So, just at a mathematical level, it is, it is always worth it to delegate. It's just that we don't usually calculate for, like, the future. We don't think about the significance of raising up another leader. We don't think about what this is gonna, you know, we're, we're in the moment and it seems really annoying and bothersome to try and train somebody to do something. And so we're, we just kind of fall into the sucker's choice. It's just gonna be faster for me to do it. Um, but if you run the math, it's actually way better. Yeah, not only are you raising up a new leader, but you're also allowing you to take on maybe another project so you can raise up another leader. Yeah. Um, because and you're you not do doing everything. Yeah. I mean, exactly. this has been the epiphany for me there are people who like to do the things I hate <laughs> and my God, I love them for it. Right. <laughs> and vice versa. There, there are people who are doing things and I'm like, I love doing that. I love doing those things. I mean, I, I, oh God, and I used to like, that was the biggest, but I used to project. Um, I'm getting to work with a, a new, um, new person on our team now named Nancy and Nancy is an administrator at heart. She loves she loves doing tasks. She loves research. And some things that I'm not particularly fond of, and she just goes nuts with it. She loves it. Uh, and it's such, a, it's such a joy to actually let people do something that they enjoy. Um, so, right. yeah. You, you kind of paint a big picture, right? You, can't, you paint sort of a vision of like, I really love this. And then you say, Nancy, can you get that done for me? Like, I, yes. I don't care what the results are, except that this is sort of what I want. Uh, so you don't micromanage her. Um, yeah. Well, you, we you, could, about, you could if you wanted to, but yeah, you wouldn't be able yeah. to do anything else. I don't have that much attention span, honestly, to micromanage very well. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like we talk about like, okay, here's the goal. Um, couple of ideas, couple of options to get there. Okay, is this clear? Okay, go get it. And again, that's, that's in a context where you have somebody who's like, really uh, exceptionally gifted at a certain type of task so that that process of preparing them has already happened. Uh, somebody else did that, did that uh, for me in this case. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's tremendously freeing. And again, we give people a joy, whether it's something more tasky or whether it's something more noble, like the, uh, the, the mission of the church, we're inviting some, someone into something that's a huge, huge source of our joy. Yeah, and let's get really practical here. Um, okay. I mean, I think your math lesson was very practical, oh, although thanks. it went over my head. Um, but we'll put it in the show notes for There's sure. There's like, yeah, for, for the nerds out there, both of you, right, who are like, oh my God, <laughs> I will you. delegate from now on. Based on this math formula, this algorithm that Jim told me about. No, it's it's practical. Like it just, in the long run, it, what, what it's saying is, if you do the math, you can actually save, save time. Um, so you can have a little more margin in your life. Most of us are overwhelmed with busyness and not actually being all that fruitful. 
with all of our busyness. So, so that's practical. The other practical thing is how, like, so there's lots of leaders, everybody that's mm -hmm. in the chat room, everybody's going to listen to the, the, the podcast today. Everybody's a leader. Mm -hmm. And so everybody has an opportunity to pour themselves into other leaders who will pour themselves into other leaders to yes. make new leaders. So how do I even begin this, this process mm -hmm. of making new leaders or delegating? Um, besides just, un you know, it's, it's fancy to say we're going to empower them. We're going to just unleash them. Like it's me. <laughs> like it's just sort of, yeah. okay, it, so, but how, like, how do you do it? Like, yeah. how do you coach a pastor? How do you coach a leader? And I would say really it comes down to, Number one, if, if you're listening to this and you, you have some decisions to make, make the decisions that only you can make. And if you have other people who can make decisions, let them do it. Mm -hmm. um, delegate other decisions to another level. Uh, and, and, and when people ask you, like, okay, well, what do you think? You say, I trust you. Right. You decide. Yeah. So uh, I think a great example um, that has often showed up a ton from the current climate we're in is reaching out to someone who's in need. I'm thinking about, you know, so many of our parishes have been amazing at reaching out uh, to the homebound, to the elderly. And part of what this situation has done is it's kind of shifted our perspective. It was always ridiculous to imagine that, right, one priest was going to be able to care for, you know, however many thousand souls or even households. Um, and well, gosh, just simply picking up the phone and calling someone and saying, hey, how are you? How you, how you doing? Can we help with anything? Like, that's an act of mercy. Um, it, that's, a, that's an act of ministry. It's, a, it's super small, but that's a, that's a first example where you're like, you don't need a theology degree or the, you know, the gift of holy orders to be able to, to do that. And just that level of being able to invite someone in, being able to pray for them, pray with them. Um, gosh, almost everybody is able uh, to do that. And then as we grow, as we continue to grow in our own walk as disciples, we can continue to draw others along with us on that same path. People to do the same thing for others, right? Right. I mean, it's that, it's that, it's that, that process of, uh, that process of, of mentorship and discipleship. You know I mean? It, there was a, in the ancient world, there was this phrase, says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And it was this idea that to be a disciple of a rabbi meant being in motion and following this person around. And as the rabbi was doing stuff, you were there with, with him uh, being covered in his dust, learning and watching, right? It's like the, it's like the, the telling and the showing. Uh, and then you see it in Jesus. Jesus as he takes these disciples around, then he begins to send them out on these little mini missions, right? They go out and they, they go out and they try it. He sends them out two by two and then they come back and they have a little debriefing. Um, and man, that would have been, you know, can you imagine somebody just like, you know, they, they botched the healing or something like that. And so, geez, all right, next time. And he just like does this little, you know, thing with him and he sends them out again. And you see these waves of people going, going out. Um, it's subtle, but, the gospels give us a snapshot of the way Jesus lived this. Yeah. It's just really about letting other people do it, you know, let either make the decision yeah. or, 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 or do the thing that you were doing. There's a, again, another sort of insight from Craig Groeschel. He just says, the better leader you become, the fewer decisions you make. Mm -hmm. 
So if wow. you're, Say if that again. you're the better leader you become, the fewer decisions you're going to make. Yeah. If you're sitting around making decisions and everything's coming to your, your desk all day long, you're not a great leader. You feel, you, you feel like important because everybody's coming to you yeah. for the answer, but that's, you've actually bottlenecked everything uh, to yeah. your well, desk. You're like, you're like Moses, right? Yeah. I mean, you're in that like, yeah, everybody's coming to you and one, you're going to, you're going to burn out, but, but two, yeah, you're not, you're not raising anyone up. There's no, there's no legacy there. Oh man. Yeah. So that I, so on a personal level, um, again, there's, there's ways in which we can think about if I'm in charge of something, is there a way I can allow my authority? Can I just let somebody else make a decision and just say, I trust you. Yeah. Can, can I do that? But also I think you have some good questions for us for some homework, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So question number one, who can you help grow from somebody who only receives your ministry? to someone who shares it. And I talked about this a little bit earlier, but just, just super, super simple. Uh, all those parishes that have calling trees, uh, whether it's you know, a youth ministry calling tree or families to, to family with religious education, when you call someone and you check in, hey, how's it going? Do, do you need anything? Can, can we be of any help? Here's what I want you to do. Do not end the call before you say, hey, is there someone who you could reach out to, right? A neighbor or a friend, like someone who could use a call and just give them the commission to reach out to someone else. So that's the first question. Who could you take from someone who just receives your ministry to someone who shares it? And then I think there's a little bit, I think all of us have to do a little bit of the hard work of asking the question, like what is holding us? What's holding me back from delegating to someone? Uh, for me, it's almost always, right, the perfectionism. Um, I think it's different for other people. Um, but but what, what is holding you back? And I can say, again, for those perfectionists, part of the way my little mnemonic is like, if I think someone can do it 60% as well as me, then it's time for me to begin the process of delegation, getting them started on it and putting my effort towards supporting them and no longer doing it myself. And that helps a lot. It's yeah. clarifying as I think about taking on meetings and tasks and roles and projects. And I've been reading another book. Uh, I'm constantly reading a book. If you were listening to the Gallup podcast this morning, you learned that uh, I have learner and input. So this means I'm, that's how I use my, my gifts and strengths the best that I can as I'm constantly reading. So another book I'm reading lately is called Hero Maker. And yeah. so there's, there's a few questions in there that, that I'll, I don't have an original thought. I haven't had original thought in a long time <laughs> because, because I steal everything from everything I've read and watched because I have input. So my input needs to output. So here's my output. If you are leading a small group, ask, am I trying to be the hero in this group? Or am I mentoring other leaders to make heroes out of them? So mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people who are in small groups that are oh, yeah. participating in this today. You don't have to be the only person in charge. Like yeah. your, your end goal should always be who's going to lead this group next. Yeah. That's so, that's so good. Always have a succession plan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can I tell you, like, this is like worst moment as a missionary. You know, most of the, our listeners know I, I spent uh, almost 20 years as a college missionary and my worst moment was I got to lead this Bible study in a fraternity and I was kind of like a guest presenter. And there was this guy that I, I knew had a lot of potential and I was hoping that he was going to consider 
serving as a missionary someday. And I prepared really hard and I, you know, really wanted to impress and, you know, got there and led the study. And at the end, I, uh, you know, he and I were hanging out and we're talking. It's like, hey, so like, do you think you could do this? Like, do you think you could be a missionary? And his response just broke my heart. And he's like, oh, no, that was so awesome. I could never do what you just did. I'm like, crap, like exactly what I did not want to do. And praise God, he became a missionary. We're good friends. Little shout out, Mitch Maneric. Um, But like, I, I did exactly what I didn't want to do. I, I used my strengths in such a way that I made the task seem impossible. I'm going to ask, I'm going to give you one more question to think about for homework. And again, we'll put these in the show notes at equip.archomaha.org. But then we're going to, I'm going to pick a few things out of the chat room here. We have some good questions and comments. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you those questions. Um, But the the final question for homework is uh, if I'm part of a team, if I'm leading a team, RCA or maybe evangelization team, maybe I'm not even leading it. Maybe I'm just on it. It doesn't matter. If I'm on the team, am I trying to be the hero of this team? Or am I thinking about how I'm developing and investing in others so that they can be the heroes? I get, I get that, that's, that is, that's the Jesus way. Like he, Jesus, of course, is the hero. He's the victor. But for whatever reason, he kind of handed it all over to these schmucks, right? These apostles um, who didn't yeah. turn out, you know, they're not schmucks at the end of their saints. But uh, you know what I mean, right? Well, uh, you see the attitude in Jesus. He's like, oh, you're going to do greater things than I'm going to do. Yeah, John 14, 12. I just quit. That sounds like a, that's a very evangelical thing to do. Cause I was actually reading that. That's, that's in the, it's in the book. Um, yeah. Uh, hero makers. It actually asks the, us to focus on like the Bible. It's in the book I've been reading hero makers. And uh, it, it was a reflection question to focus on John 14, 12. I think yeah. I'll probably get it wrong. Cause a bunch of Catholics listening. So I, I know that nobody's going to go look it up, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's exactly the same thing. You're going to do greater things. Yes. What greater things do you think Jesus is, is going to be asking you to do? Or what, what, what greater things did he think he had in mind for you? Yeah. And do you think it's just you? Or is it like because you're releasing other people to do those things as well? Yeah. So that, that you just uh, stimulated my input. Okay. Beth Doman had a question about like, you know, how, do you, how do you focus on a person's strengths you are pers- you focus on a person's strengths and gifts in order to em- empower them in leadership. You're not just giving mm-hmm. them, it's not just a warm body. Like how do you, how do you help, oh, how do you awesome. help somebody figure out their gifts and talents? Maybe they don't even know, know what they are. Like maybe you see something in them that they don't see. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I mean, and I just want to highlight the principle there that we're not just handing off stuff, tasks, things that we don't like to do. Um, the, the assumption is, is that, we're all one body and, and even though we're one body, we're many parts and that everybody plays a role and that feet like being feet, right? People that are, people that are gifted as administrators, like love that people that are gifted as teachers, love that people that are gifted as uh, all different ways. Like people, people find joy in serving in the way they're made. And so there are cool tools you can use uh, things like the, the called and gifted uh, inventory from the Catherine Siena Institute. Um, we've mentioned Gallup a couple times, their strengths finder assessment. You can use those, those tools and I'd highly endorse those, but honestly, you just kind of watch it. And, and with just a little bit of perception, you can kind of notice 
how people are made and where they come alive. And, and again, you said it best, Father, like sometimes you recognize that before people notice it in themselves. And the ability to just have a conversation. It's like, hey, would you be interested in doing? And so sometimes you might encounter a little bit of tentativeness and say like, okay, well, what if we talked about it? What if I showed you how I do it and you can watch me do it? And why don't you try it out? And then it's that, that process helps people give, get over their, their own self-doubt and insecurity. And oftentimes they find something about themselves that they never, they never knew. And just telling people what they're good at. Maybe they've never heard it before. Oh yeah. Uh, and fill their bucket a little bit. You know, it's not going to, in the long run, as long as you're being honest, you're not going to hurt anything. Yeah. Uh, hey, you're a great yeah. communicator. Hey, yeah, yeah, I really love you. Please don't tell people they're good at things they're not good at. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So we used to have a radio station in St. Ledger's there in Creighton. And mm -hmm. uh, so we would have a few, a few people helping out with the radio station and like there's there's somebody in the parish who kept telling a person. Okay. So it was sort of like anybody could help out with a radio station, but, uh, um, and I didn't really care cause I wasn't, I wasn't going to micromanage the results. I was just, the win was when somebody wanted to volunteer, but there was one person who wasn't very good, but there's this other person in the parish that kept saying to them like, Oh, you're so awesome on the radio. I'm like, stop telling them that. Like they're not that good. Like just tell them you're grateful they're on the radio. Like, yeah, don't lie to them. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, that was, so this is how we do it with, when, when somebody's uh, giving a homily. So you so I'll know this when you guys can tell me this after homily. Ooh, okay. So here, here's my rule for when somebody does a great job at a homily, I let them know when they didn't do a good job. I say, thanks father. <laughs> <laughs> so you can totally turn that okay. back on me if you want. Okay. Uh, but I do welcome your feedback if I'm not doing a great job in my homily and I need to do a better job. So yeah, great story. Need, thanks need father. To, need to challenge me on that one more thing from cheryl cahoy um yeah. she's uh from sacred heart in norfolk, norfolk and Nebraska. and this is a great example of delegation not just with tasks or mm -hmm. or even with authority but actually a, the ability to pray and so what they're doing in their parish is they're they're growing we're growing in a habit of and technique of praying with scripture through small groups for yes. the purpose of being able to teach <laughs> others we have seen that for those who have not Mm -hmm. been in a role of leading others, their confidence in learning that uh, that part has taken a longer time than just building the habit of prayer. It's, it's not just learning how to pray, yeah. but teaching other how to be. That's a big part of what you did in Focus, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not just t teaching people how to lead small groups. It's teaching people how to teach others to pray. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, first off, I, what I love about that question is it, it just highlights that, you know, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it feels, uh, sometimes as you, 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 you think you've identified a leader and you, you think you've, you've like, you've told them and you've shown them and you've, you know, commissioned them and they're rolling and, and sometimes they still have self-doubt or sometimes again, right. Youth soccer coaching. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they don't keep both feet planted and, and they don't get it the first time. And, I would say, first off, a willingness to stick with people as, as they grow, um, to, to persevere in accompanying them through the process of growing as a leader or growing as a disciple. Um, that's, that's huge. I mean, again, back to Jesus. Uh, my gosh. I mean, just, just Peter alone, how many times that guy uh, sticks his foot in his mouth and doesn't get it. Um, 
but Jesus's persistence and 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 uh, willingness to stick with Peter is uh, is a is a it's it's not in the it's not in the scriptures by accident. Right? That's an example for for all of us. Um, so that's huge. And I, I guess I'd say one other thing: there are some things. You know, we've all heard that adage, right? It's like you know, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And I, I agree with that. I would just take it to another level. There are some things that are so worth doing, they're worth doing badly at first. And so teaching someone to pray, that is so worth doing. It's worth doing badly. And what I mean badly is like, I don't mean like heresy or something. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's worth feeling awkward because when you're teaching someone to pray, it's like, it really doesn't go. I know I feel like I'm inviting like crazy stories now, but like, it doesn't ever really go badly. It's just, it feels awkward. Right. And so like, like there's some things that are so worth doing it. It's worth, you know, pers- per- persevering through that awkwardness. Yeah. Great. Well, Jim, this is uh it's getting close to our, our end time here. It's the end times. <laughs> and uh, I just want to thank everybody in the chat. This has been a lot of fun and uh, every day. Yeah. Um, this is why it's so fun to, to, to join us live. And I know it doesn't always work for people's schedule and, and mm-hmm. I, for, for myself, I would much prefer to listen to a podcast while I go for a walk or, mm-hmm. or while I'm getting things ready in the morning or whatever. Uh, so it, I just want to shout out to everybody who joined us live here, uh, in the chat room and, uh, um, it just makes it so much more fun when we, we, we see these comments and you engage in the conversation. So yep. thank you everybody to that. We, we're going to be on next week and a little teaser for that is Jim is going to talk about how he's the ideal parishioner. All right. Cool. All right. <laughs> I think so I've got a week to get that accomplished. Yeah. Well, I mean, give me a, a snippet on that. Can you do that in one sentence? Like, what does that mean? What do you want to, what do you want to rant about that week? Well, I think we need to shift. Sometimes we imagine the ultimate parishioner, uh, is the ultimate insider. But I, I, I want to suggest that maybe, maybe the ultimate parishioner isn't the, the insider, it's the person who's going out. Mm, you don't want to miss that one. All right. Thanks, Jim. We will be back next week at 3.30. Uh, you can find everything, everything on our, our website at equip.archomaha.org. And uh, looking forward to seeing you and talking to you all next week. God bless. Thanks, everybody.